and we're live. We got another episode of In the Clinch here. Um, your host, or your host, John Cox, and my co-host as always, the international man of mystery, Teddy Benders, Teddy Savage, people. Good to be back, John, on the program formerly known as In the Clinch on the Boys no Back shit. Home Network. But no uh, yeah, we, we some, might have a little problem with that now. Yeah, we got some big news off the top of the show. Um, In the Clinch will be going solo. So we'll be separating from the Boys Back Home Network. Um, but believe it or not, the boys back home is going to be making a comeback pretty soon. Uh, we just, me and Matt have pretty much with me and Matt's show, it's I get home from work and he goes to work and it kind of like just doesn't work out. Like it hasn't, it's been like that for like a few months. So like we haven't had a chance to record, uh, but we're going to try to rearrange the schedule, keep this going. And then we're going to separate this show, make it its own thing. That way it's easier to find, easier to access. I'm going to talk to Matt. Hopefully I can uh, re-upload like all of the episodes that we have of Clinch from the Boys Back Home to the new show. And also, we just did some research and there's already another show called In the Clinch. So that's an issue. But a couple of them. That there's a couple. We gotta we gotta fucking we gotta, we'll take this into Congress if we have to. Um, so I guess. We're going to either brainstorm some names. You guys can submit some names. Uh, and that'd be great. Anything helps, really. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much the big news for the show off the top of the show, I guess. I think we should honestly just fight the other podcast guys yeah, to have idea. our name. And then that's a great are, idea. Let, let's just do it all because there's several. And it's like three or four. And I assume there are like two people. So let's just have eight people go in a ring and then just see who comes out. We yeah, get to have the name. The European MMA shit. Five on five. Oh, you mean fight circus? Yeah, sure. That's a great. Oh, but no, have you not seen? Okay, no, I have seen it. No, I have seen it. I just, I didn't know that was the name. Dude, my dad asked me about this because when I was going to, (laughs) it's a quick, quick story. When I started watching it, it was just one on one. My dad was driving me to the T to go to New York and he was asking me if there was going to be any little people fighting on this card. And I thought that he was just talking about like the smaller weights. And I was like, I was like, yeah, they're like, they're, they weigh 125 pounds. Like they're not that small. And he goes, no, like there was literally little people fighting uh, on, on this thing I saw last night. I was like, what? Rowdy? Yeah. I was like, I was like, what are you talking about? And then he showed me, I'm like, oh, this is like literally like <clears throat> pornography compared to like what we watch. Like this is right. not, this is very, very taboo. Like we do not support <laughs> this at all over on this side. But yeah, um, the UFC is uh, pretty professional. Com- compared to fight circus yeah compared to unsanctioned have, little people fights because they don't even just do like regular like mma they do like lithway in a phone booth oh, have you seen this holy shit no i've never seen that but lithway is savagery Lith- lithway in a phone booth is crazy because in case anyone's listening they know what lithway is it's essentially like um like muay thai but if you get knocked out yeah if you get knocked out your corner has like a, i think a minute or two to literally drag your unconscious body back to the corner and try to wake you up so you can continue the fight. Like they'll, they'll bite your ear. They'll like rub your leg really weird. Like yeah. they'll do a bunch of crazy stuff. And only one person's ever won uh, a game or a fight of Lithway after being knocked out. So there wow. you go. There's a little history. That's kind of sick. You. you can also fun fact about Lithway. Like I think everything's legal. You can headbutt. I know that like uh, I've seen guys spar Lithway, like not in person, but I've seen videos of it. And they like yeah. sparring and they throw headbutts and shit like on the pads. Like it's, it's fucking crazy, bro. That in a phone booth, that's nuts. That's insanity. I don't know if you yeah. want to watch that. I, I, I didn't watch it. Sounds like it's some live bad. leak shit. 
it literally is like a, a live leak. It's on like one of those like random like small dash cams. Like right. it, it feels, <laughs> it definitely feels illegal to watch. Right. Cool. Uh, so yeah, we're <laughs> looking for some new names. Uh, we have a, like some starting logos that we're kind of testing out and everything like that that we like. But um, yeah, so that's the big news. Um, other big news: November twenty third, we got Thanksgiving coming up. What's up for the holidays, Anthony? Just gonna go home. I'm staying overnight right now because I gotta do a couple appointments for work. Yep. But um, I'm gonna get home late tonight and uh, just enjoy some time with the family, John. You know, yeah. what are you what are you planning on? Um, yeah, pretty much same thing. I gotta work and I gotta work on Friday and this weekend, so I'm not really going too crazy. I'll probably get it all out tomorrow night and then yeah, just go to my aunt's. Same shit we usually yeah. do. I can eat till you can't, and then you know, watch football. I always forget that, like, and have my family yeah. like concerned as to why I'm yelling about missed field goals and stuff. <laughs> a tradition old as time, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I always, I always forget that, like, around Thanksgiving, like, people don't shoot get like a week off, like, because yeah, right. in my perspective, I'm at college, and so we don't have any classes on Wednesday or like, you know, we have like a basically right, a super right. long weekend. But also, it just kind of becomes teachers canceling class like the day before too. Yeah, yeah. So I, I really didn't have any classes today or yesterday. Um, actually, no, I did have one. One teacher out of the five decided to have class. So I had to stay here for wow. that. But, um, you know, it's just one of those things. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I have to work. Like the next day, I'm like, what? What are you yeah. talking about? I mean, so, most people take it off, but I'm broke as a joke. So I have to work. But no, just uh, say you're a hard worker. Yeah, I just dedicated to the team, the 103 advantage. And uh, right. it's just, just a workaholic. Right. Uh, speaking of that. Someone asked me this the other day, and I don't know the answer to it. Do you go to school for, like, journalism? Or is this just, like, a thing you do? No, I do not. Who asked you this? I don't remember. Someone brought it up, and they were like, does he go to school for, like, research and shit like this and, like, writing articles? I was like, I don't I don't really know. I was like, that's why I saw Theo. I didn't realize it was Theo until, like, until we started talking. <laughs> so uh, I go to school. I'm a senior at Merrimack College so I'm hopefully going to graduate this next semester we'll see how my classes come out but um my major is business administration with a concentration in marketing so none of that has to do with journalism or you know media coverage or anything like that but I have taken a bunch of classes on those subjects and all my internship experiences with that so it's like it's kind of like a double-edged sword because a lot of people will come in they want to be a sports management major or like a journalism major or something like that and have that experience. Whereas I have experience in the classroom when it comes to marketing, but I have real life experience in the field when it comes to things like right. reporting. I'm hesitant to use the word journalism because that's just like, that's kind of more of like a prestigious thing that you reserve for the people who are at the top of that industry. But, yeah. you know, reporting work, you know, media content coverage, stuff like that. You I call have it, uh, amateur journalism, maybe. Is that fair? Sure. Sure. We'll call it amateur journalism. Yeah. So. There you go. Yeah, that that's what I do. I don't actually major in it though. Well, there you go. I forget who asked me that, but I think I think they listened. So there you go. There you go. Now you have your answer. Uh, we do have some stuff to talk about, fighting related, of course. We had a um, event over the weekend, Kellen Vieira versus Misha Tate. Uh, a pretty good main event. I I did watch. I think I only ended up catching like two rounds of it. So good back and forth. Um, the co-main was good. Uh, the bet did not hit, unfortunately, but I got another bet for you this week that I'm feeling a lot more confident about. Can um, we keep a record of your bets? We can absolutely way? keep a record. Yeah, so I had the two last week. Unfortunately, Terrence McKinney got pulled off the card, so he didn't get the fight. So that one, I guess, we'll, is that a no contest? We'll call that like a 
one and one or something like that. I, I don't know. What, we or what happens when what happens if you were to place to bet like a couple days before and he pulls out? Like, do you just canceled? Yeah. Yeah. No. So it's just no. Just doesn't I, go on the record. I don't think like yeah. It depends. I guess. I, I can't imagine any bookies would be like, nope, that's a loss. You should have bet yeah. on him like not getting COVID or something. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. It was his corner. It wasn't even him. So. Um, I also don't gamble, so I have no idea how it works. Really. Yeah. No, I think that's a wash. That's yeah. It's whatever. Um. Yeah, so I said under two and a half rounds for Kiesa Brady. That did not hit. It ended up being a win for Sean Brady by decision. He goes to 15 and 0, so he's kind of tearing it up there, doing really well for himself. Um, but then we had a good main event. Kellen Vieira gets the win, moves to 12 and 2 over Misha Tate. Uh, like I said, the, the little bit that I did watch, it was a good back and forth. Um, but it, it just seems like, you know, the whole rest versus rest argument, I don't know if you want to call it rest for Misha Tate, but she was off for two and a half three years before she came back did win her fight before this and looked really good so we were having high hopes for Misha Tate to have a, a sort of second half to her career where she might string together some wins maybe get back up to the top around the bantamweight maybe challenge for the belt at some point she's been there before so uh it didn't seem to be the case she, she kind of came out uh or she ended up being flat like it, it, it uh, like the way you put it was like she kind of just like all of a sudden that's fallen off this cliff out of nowhere compared to her last fight versus this one. So I'm curious what your thoughts on that are. Uh, I've, I've heard a lot of commentary about this fight say that the game has evolved past Misha Tate. Yeah. And I was super hesitant to go along with that because I had just seen her perform really well against uh, Marion Renault uh, back in July. But now, of course, like you said, <laughs> in this fight in November, it seems totally different. Now I'm not saying that Misha had a, particularly good performance or that I was impressed by her at all. Um, but what I will say is that her opponent, Caitlin Vieira is an excellent stand-up boxer. Like she's, yeah. she has really good hands and we know Misha hasn't really been known for her stand-up across her career. You know, like, of course she did just win by TKO. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's not like she's ever been some world beater on the feet. Right, so right. I knew this was a tough matchup for her going in. And on top of that, Kaylin Vieira has a, a pretty good guard as well. Her jiu-jitsu game is, is excellent. So this was going to be a tough one for Misha no matter what. However, even through that performance, I was shocked that she wasn't able to find the range very well. Like It seemed like even when she was, she was getting them on the ends of the punches and not punching through the target. Like She, was, she couldn't get that range figured out, and we see this a lot, um, where sometimes you just can't get that extra gear going. And sometimes you just can't get settled in and, and get your rhythm going and, and find the target consistently. And it just seems like that's what happened here with Misha. And a lot of it is due to these new wrinkles that Kaylin Vieira has brought into her game that, you know, a lot of people in MMA right now have been able to do, like the introduction of the calf kick and, and things like that. Whereas, you know, maybe back when Misha was in her prime only a couple of years ago, remind you, the meta at that time may have been different. Um, yeah. I think it's just more so evidence that the game has evolved so much over, over a short period of time compared to other sports. Whereas when fighters come off a long layoff, or I should say athletes come off a long layoffs in other sports, they can make that jump back. Or like when we see it happening, even in boxing, because boxing has been around for so long, the sweet science, it's, it's been more refined. Whereas MMA, people are discovering new tactics that are very effective every day. So the game changes very quickly. Um, and so I just feel like the game may have passed up Misha Tate a little bit here. Yeah, it's just, it's so tough when you, I mean, you, when you take a lot of time she took off um, between fights and things like that out of the octagon, like the fact that she came back and got a TKO win in the first place is very impressive. But if, if you're going to go up against these, these 
uh, fighters that are evolving and making their way. I mean, she's missed a whole wave of fighters multiple times now. Um, it's like, like you said, the game's evolving. And the thing, the biggest thing I think is that the fight game is evolving at such a rapid pace that it's all these new techniques are getting introduced every, it seems every week there's something new. Um, certainly every year there's something new. Uh, like when Misha Tate last fight, the last fought, excuse me, the the calf kick might have not been such an integral part of what MMA is now today, especially in the UFC. Um, it's definitely taken right. off and it's a huge deal. And it's like, she's got that old school fight style. She's, um, she's tough, but it's like, is that, it, it, we're seeing it now where it's like all these older fighters who are tough as nails. It doesn't seem to cut it anymore where it's, you can't just get into this back and forth slang and bang kind of fight um, and, and pull off the victory. Most of the time we do see it here and there, but it's like you look at guys like um, like Max Holloway, um, even guys like Justin Gaethje is a perfect example of someone who came into the UFC originally, just wants to put on a show, just wants to get in there and kind of fight his style. And then you see as he's reformed his ways with the better coaching and stuff like that, he's completely changed his style and is a more sound and actual technical fighter now. Uh, not that he wasn't before, but now it's like we've seen him completely evolve his career. And it's like if you're out of the game for that long, it's going to be very hard to come back and adapt in time to also make a significant run in your division um, with all this evolution going on. So I hope we haven't seen the end of Misha Tate. Um, it doesn't seem that way, but it's like she's she's a staple of the sport, especially in women's fighting. So it's I'm going to watch a Misha Tate fight every chance I get. Right, and I do think that there's girls – in that division that she can compete with. I think Bantamweight yeah. isn't particularly deep when you look at the women's divisions compared to each other. Yeah. But, you know, this was, I believe Misha was eight fighting seven in this fight. I don't think that this is indicative that she can compete for the title soon or even win the title. You know, mm -hmm. even if you're excluding Amanda Nunez because it's kind of a foregone conclusion at this weight class that if you get a title shot, you're just going to lose it to Amanda. Right. Um, after this performance, I'm not confident at all that Misha Tate would beat anyone in the top five. Um, so her getting a title shot now seems less likely than ever. So if you're looking at this from her perspective, it's like, if you want to keep fighting, what are you fighting for? Like, we're, right. we're just going to have fun fights because we can do right. that if she wants. Yeah. Like there's, there's plenty of people at Bandway to match her up with, but it, it seems like the title shot era of her career has definitely come to a close. Yeah, so if, I, if you're Misha Tate, you know, it's like go in there and make your money however you can. I think that's like the best route for her right now. Um, or maybe even going to coaching or something like that. I think she's a she's a very good fighter. So it's just a matter of like has the sport passed her by, not that she still can't give some knowledge and insight to fighters that are up and coming. So I, I think there's opportunities still there for Misha Tate, maybe even commentary, something like that. I, I think that people, like everyone enjoys her personality. I don't think there's a lot of Misha Tate haters out there. So I don't think there's any. Right. So there's plenty of opportunities for Misha Tate, even if it's outside of actual fighting, there's opportunities within the fight game. Um, what I do want to talk about is this co-main event, Michael Chiesa versus Sean Brady. Whoa, Sean Brady, whoa, whoa. Whoa, 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 what, 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 what? what, what? We got to give Caitlin Vieira her due. Oh, that's true. Yeah, we should I talk feel about like, Caitlin Vieira. I, I feel like we've been just talking about how, oh, this sucks for Misha. But Caitlin Vieira just got a quality win yeah. on her resume. Although yeah. I thought she could have done more, like it felt like she kind of coasted in the, in the second half of that fight. Um, which, to be fair, like you don't have to do that. Like you don't have to put the gas on for yourself in danger. But if you're fighting someone like Misha Tate and you're trying to get a win here to get a title shot, 
would you not want to leave Mar out there, John? Like, would you not want to make a statement? Like, imagine yeah. what a knockout over Misha Tate would do right, you or, right. or finish of any kind. Like, that would be huge for your career. But she just – she was content with not taking the risk and just winning the fight safely, which, you know, that'll move you up the rankings, but you won't get a title shot off of it. So, um, she is in a unique spot because Bantamweight is, just like, kind of wide open. There's mm-hmm. a lot of fights there for her. I think the, yep. the Yanats Kunitskaya lost for her was a setback somewhat yeah but and you know to be honest the fact that she got knocked out by her it it could have contributed to her not putting pressure on the gas you know in the second half of this fight because she's now conscious of the fact that you know she can get caught and she can put herself in danger like that it's not a good thing so um i think kaylin vieira is on the way up for sure though her boxing is going to be a problem for a lot of people at 135 and um yeah I, i think that she did enough here in a big spot against a big name like Misha Tate to get some recognition, but not a title shot. Yeah. So she is uh, ranked seventh still currently in the rankings, but like you said, the Yannis Kuniskaya fight uh, does set her back a little bit from that. Uh, Kuniskaya is at six. She's at seven. Um, so we've seen them fight already. Maybe they run it back at some point, who knows, but we've got Aspen Lodge, Juliana Pena. I mean, talk, I mean, her and Holly Holm would be very interesting to see that stand up matchup. Um, Irene Aldana, and of course, uh, Jermaine Deronomy, which is up there. She's the number one contender as of right now, but we've seen that fight already with Amanda Nunes. So it's like, if you want to keep mixing it up, then you got to keep going different people at her. Um, I, I mean, I don't think I would hate her versus Holly Holm. I know Holly Holm had a fight booked recently that she had to pull out of, unfortunately. But I mean, that's an interesting stand-up matchup for sure. Uh, both good boxers. Juliana Pena is interesting as well. Aspen Lott, of course, always exciting. So there's a lot of opportunities here for Ketlin Vieira as well. Yeah, yeah, man, definitely. I think that Caitlin Vieira, although isn't the big winner of this card, we'll get to that next. I think that she did quite a good job against Misha Tate here. But the big winner, in my opinion, John, was the co-main event winner, Sean Brady, defeating Michael Chiesa, busting the John Cox gambling corner, whatever you call your second. Yeah, 0 for 1. We're 0 for 1 there on that. Uh, I guess we're 0 1 and 1. Terrence McKinney, unfortunately, had to pull out of his fight. His cornerman had COVID, uh, so that didn't get to go through. But yeah, it'll probably be a wash, like I said. Um, Sean Brady now 14th in the rankings at welterweight, 15-0. A lot of fights ahead of him that are very um, interesting. I mean, that's a huge win to pull off a win over the number six ranked guy. Uh, I assume he's going to be jumping in the rankings at some point somewhat soon. Uh, Bala Muhammad's got a fight booked right now. Hamzad is obviously looking for a fight. If you want to stay active, you know, he'll fight anytime, anywhere. So maybe they throw him with that. It's still, I mean, that's a great fight. I like that matchup a lot. Lujing Lang coming off a loss to Hamza. Maybe he wants to rebound. That's a great matchup. Um, it, I mean, this, this top five, Stephen Thompson, Luke, Edwards, Burns, Covington, you're probably not getting anywhere around there. I know they're talking about Neil Magny versus Hamza. If that doesn't go through, that's a great matchup for him. I, I, he's got a lot of opportunities ahead of him. I really like this Sean Brady kid. I think – I don't want to quite call him a dark horse yet, but he's definitely someone to keep your eye on. Yeah, I think he definitely is someone to keep your eye on. And that's why I feel like matching him against Chemayev right now is just probably the worst thing you could do for him. Right. Yeah, I'm seeing I'm seeing a lot of chatter about that. I don't – I'm not a big fan of matching young guys up against each other while they're on the way up. I like the slow build. I like when – yeah. When Colby and Kamaru could have fought much earlier than they did, I love yep. that they waited for that to be a, their first fight to be a championship fight. That's the kind of fight that you can make with, um, you know, Hamzat 
and Sean Brady because I feel like it's inevitable one of them is going to have the belt at least, right? I feel like right. that's not – I'm not going out on a limb and saying that. Um, but then you also have guys coming up in this division too who, who are super young that, that can be entertaining. So, like, the talent pool welterweight, I think as long as you keep the young guys away from each other, like, you're going to be lined up for some sick fights. Um, just off the top of my head, I think Ian Gary is one of those – young guys who is only 23 Mm -hmm. has a a large frame to build into, and he's going to be a championship level fighter when he reaches his peak, just like Sean Brady, just like Hamza Chmaev, although Hamza is different because he's so much better than everyone right now. Um, Yeah. I I think that Michael Chiesa losing here to Sean Brady is a huge step back considering that Michael Chiesa is ranked sixth and Sean Brady was 14th and, Kies has also just lost to Vicente Luque. So yep. it's like, I'm nervous for Kiesa because now he's in Hamzat territory. Right. Now I feel like Kiesa might be one of the guys that give Hamzat um, to be the stepping stone to get to a title shot at welterweight. The only problem is I don't know if he is ready to go as quickly as they want Hamzat to turn around. Because right. right. Hamzat wants to turn around like the first month of 2022. Like he wants to go right away. Gord yeah. Burns has denied a shot. Uh, going down the list, Colby said no. Leon said no. Vicente said no. Stephen Thompson said no. Kies hasn't said anything. Jorge said no. Neil Magny has said yes. At number eight, he's screaming for it. No one will give it to him. No one's given any attention for that fight, but he deserves it. Uh, yeah. Bilal Muhammad said no. Uh, or am I thinking of Jeff Neal? I always confuse Neil Magny and Jeff Neal. But I no, think you're Neil's thinking of Neil Magny. Neil Magny, yep. Yeah, Neil Magny's been calling for it. Um, yeah, he just beat Lee Jean Leon. Like, if you look at the top 10 of welterweight, there's not a ton of obvious matchups for Hamza Chimaev, which is why Kiesa sliding down is going to be probably the fight that they go with for Hamza Chimaev. Um, you know, and also there's there's talk of him moving up to 185 for his next fight too. While I see that more so from his camp, I think the UFC probably wants to keep him at 170 for the time being. Um, that's also an option you have to be willing to look at. Um, and while we're on the topic of Hamza Chimaev, even though he has nothing to do with this fight really, um, he convincingly beat Jack Hermanson in a freestyle wrestling competition over the weekend. Yeah. And he, he outweighed Hermanson significantly. I don't know if on the scales necessarily, but he looked way bigger than Hermanson when they faced off. And mm-hmm. some of the highlights from that are concerning. The fact that he was able yeah. to do that to a 185er, who's a very well-seasoned grappler and large for the division. I think 185 definitely is in trouble when Hamza Chmaev gets ranked welterweight, it's inevitable. He's going to run through everybody. I think I really, I really don't ever come out before and say that like, Oh, I think this guy, you just beat straight up everybody in the division. I think that Hamza Chmaev beats everybody 170. Yeah. I'm totally in agreement with that. Except I I actually, I can't favor him over Kamaru Usman, but I I do think, I do think he, he beats Colby. I think he beats Leon. I think he beats Burns. Like, and it's not because these guys aren't great. I just don't see how you stop Hamza Chimaev. Like, I don't think – and people are, are going to come back and say, oh, like, the way he fought Legion Leon, like, Legion Leon's just, like, a not – he's not a high-ranked guy. Like, Colby doesn't fight those guys. Kamar doesn't fight those guys. Like, you know. But if you look at what they would be able to do if they did fight Legion Leon compared to what Hamza did, like, I don't think anyone's picking Legion Leon up, putting him on his shoulder and going over, walking to Dana White and screaming at right. him. Like, I don't think anyone's capable. I don't think Kamaru Usman could do that to, like, most of the roster. Like, I don't think that he would be able to do that unless he got to, like, guys who just came off of the contender series. Like, 
people don't realize how crazy that gap is for you to be able to pick somebody up, control them as they're trying their hardest to get away from you and start screaming at somebody. Like to have that, to have that sizable gap in grappling is so damning, especially if you don't work on your grappling. Like if you don't wrestle um, traditionally and at 170, like how are you going to beat Hamza? How are you going to beat Hamza? Because at least Colby and Kamaru and maybe Gilbert, like they have the ability to stop the takedown. But even then, like he's just not going to stop. He's going to eventually get you down. And even if that doesn't happen somehow, his standup is so good, man. Like some people are saying that his standup is better than his grappling. We just don't get to see it. So um, to answer your question, whatever it may have been, I think Hamza Chmaya is really good. <laughs> I don't know if that was a question, but uh, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, we were talking about Sean Brady, but right, um, right. Like you said, I think the biggest thing you said there, besides all the Hamza stuff, is that this is a huge setback for Michael Kesa. Um, right. Thank you for not, bringing like, us back. <laughs> you don't want to be the guy who's number six losing to a double digit dude. Um, it, it, it's it's tough. Uh, it, it seems that Michael Kesa is just stuck in this like rut of like. He's, it, I don't want to even call him a gatekeeper, but like he just can't seem to get over that hump to get to a top five guy um, or challenge for a belt or anything like that. I, I don't see him doing that in the future, or at least anytime soon. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. It's, it sucks to see because uh, he's such a likable guy, but it's like, it, it's, I don't, I don't, I don't even like just watching his fights. I'm not even necessarily necessarily sure what the problem is here it's just a matter of like maybe he just doesn't have the skill to be champion in this division uh it's kind of a bold thing to say but i i think that might just be the case some guys just are very good and just aren't good enough um and maybe he's just older getting towards the end of his career i don't want to say that either but like who knows it might be he might have peaked already he's coming down there's a, there's a whole mess of things that it could be for Michael Chiesa. Um, but one thing I do know is I think he has to win his next fight. Yeah, definitely. And I don't think it's unfair for you at all to say that he can't, you know, be champion with the skills that he has right now. Um, I think Michael Chiesa is an elite fighter, but in no way does that mean that he's world-class championship level fighter. Like, right. I don't think, I don't foresee a match against, him and anyone who's champion at 170 going well for him at all to be quite frank with you mm-hmm. like it's just if you were if you were that fighter sean brady wouldn't be a, a test for you if you were world class you wouldn't be worried about guys outside the top 10 right, right. so um and i love mike i love michael's style i think he's a super likable guy he's funny he he has an entertaining style um but man like it, it just feels like He's, I don't want to say he's hit his ceiling because we've seen, especially with guys like Glover Teixeira and uh, Jorge Masvidal, you can have these second resurgences in yep. your career. Yep. But it, it's if, if we're talking about that, then Michael Even Chiesa Jose Aldo. Even Jose Aldo, right. Um, I, I think Chiesa is in need of one of those second spurts because yeah. it seems like he has hit a plateau in terms of um, yeah, being able go. to go out there and perform. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, plateau. I wasn't a geology major. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a plateau in real life. No. Uh, yeah, no. Maybe a small one. I didn't notice <laughs> yeah, it was a plateau. Maybe, maybe um, yeah. Oh, man, it's already off the rails here. 
Um, <laughs> I mean, to be quite honest, I didn't see this fight at all. So I, I saw a little bit of it. And it, it was the same. It's like, it's just a matter of like, Kiesa just not being able to keep up really. Um, and also to be fair to him though, like Sean Brady is ranked 14. Sean Brady like, is very good. Yeah. Sean Brady's great. Um, but I wouldn't be worried about a Sean Brady matchup if I was, you know, Steven Thompson or Vicente Luque. Like I think that Sean Brady definitely could beat those guys, but I wouldn't yeah. favor him necessarily. Whereas I, I felt more strongly that Kiesa would fold uh, against Brady than any of those other guys would. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think Brady also, I think of, of anything, the Vicente Luque loss and now the Sean Brady loss for Kiesa will age well, because I think they'll go on to do good things and, and go on and, and win a lot. But, um, it doesn't mean that um, his work is done. I, th- I think he needs to, he's a level up. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just a matter of like, you've got to evolve and you've got to, uh, it, it, it's got to happen soon. There's, there's really no other way to put it. Um, it it's just, you got to evolve your skills. You have to put that work in. Not that I think he doesn't already. It, it's just like, if, if you don't, Especially like we were saying earlier about Misha Tate in this game right now, you gotta fucking comp- totally be on the ball at all times, be with the times as well, and know what's going on in the sport. And it seems that Michael Kies has been kind of like found his groove and just sticking with it for the last couple fights for the last few years. And it's like the division's slowly passing him by, and he's kind of just sticking around right in the middle. And I, I don't know it, unless he really has some sort of drastic change. Like you said, I, I don't really see him doing much else uh, in this division or really in the UFC. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't know. Sean Brady, another guy with uh, terrible tattoos. Perspective. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't want to bring it up because I feel like it's it's almost like everyone has terrible tattoos. So well, I don't want to yeah. like... I've been saying but, that for years. It's like rule of thumb. If you're an MMA fighter, you have to have terrible tattoos. I agree. Have so... um. But that being said, Sean Brady has some exceptionally ugly tattoos. <laughs> that back thing. I don't know what that is, but that's that's brutal. No, um, they purposely don't show it on the UFC website. I'm like yeah. it seems because I'm looking, I can't find a single one of his back. No. Um, okay, so here's we got we got a decision to make here. Okay. Cause we have a decision the next topic in our show notes is about Connor. So do we want to do the fantasy fight first? Or do we want to talk about Connor first? Because we know how we get about Connor. What's the Connor stuff we're talking about? Well, Connor McGregor, I don't know if you heard of him or if you see his Twitter. He came out and said that when he comes back, he is fighting for the lightweight title and there's nothing anyone can do about it. And oh. I want to say that he's out of his mind, but I don't think he is. I don't think so he do is either. Do we want to because... talk about this or do we want to do the fantasy stuff first? Because this could I think... easily be 40 minutes. Okay. Listen, I'm. I really want to say yes, but but um, I don't know if you could tell or not. But I, my ADHD medicine has worn off. Um, okay. It's been too many hours since I've had it. That's so funny. I think this has like the recipe for disaster written all over it. However, we've already right. brought it up, so we may yep. as well just talk about we're already, it. We already jumped Go right in. for it. We might as well drown. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what did he say exactly? So, um, let me see if I can find the actual quote. Uh, paraphrasing it was like i'm going to fight for the ufc title when i come back uh, lightweight title when i come back and there's nothing none of you can do or something like that uh hold on my buddy just said it to me the other day it's just a matter of where did he send it to me on i think he might have texted it to me 
I'll find it. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the the gist of it. Is basically like I'm I'm coming. I'm fighting for the title. And, oh, here it is. Okay, I'm facing whoever the fuck has that lightweight title next. Deal with it. That's what he said. I mean, yeah. I mean, listen. The UFC may have told him something. Mm. Um, they may have. They may. They may have a deal. Right. That's all I'm saying. I don't think that that's the case, but I could see where he would say that. He could have said that for like one of two things. Like he knows for sure he's getting it because the UFC says something or he's saying that because he wants that to become an air up. He wants people to talk about it because he knows how much the media is valuable in making fights right. come to fruition. Right. Um, and I also kind of feel like that's why he was, if you remember, this is a small detail no one really picked up on uh, in his last fight. He was wearing a mouthpiece that had like Brazil on it. Like it was like the, you know, like how they have that little like circle in the middle of their flag. Yeah. Yeah, he basically was like he was like wearing the flag basically as a mouth guard. Um, I think he's kind of just like putting out little feelers everywhere, just in case like it kind of like you know not putting like your eggs in one basket kind of move. Like he's just like, kind of like having little beefs with everybody, and if one of them gets hot, he's like, all right, that's the fight. But I think more what he wants than anything is the title shot. Um, it's also probably well, I, I'm just saying probably because he's the favorite. I, I think. Justin Poirier is the favorite in that fight. So he's kind of looking at that. If you're kind of making a numbers game, he's like, yeah, the lightweight title would probably be in a fight against Dustin, which is something I also want to do. So kind of kill yeah, two yeah, birds yeah. with one stone type of thing. So I think yeah. he's more so just like putting it out there. Cause he's like, yeah, I'm going to rematch Dustin inevitably. And I also want a title shot. Why not do both? Right. And the thing is he has so much power and so much fanfare behind him that the UFC might just do it. So you think he's just banking on Dustin Poirier being the, title contender or holder when like he gets back not even because i feel like if it's Oliveira, like you tell me like Oliveira wouldn't want to fight connor like i feel like no he, he would, would but but i don't know if the ufc would necessarily want right, it right that's my point i don't like, know i don't know like I, it's like i think he's just fighting dustin i don't think it like and i don't you think, think dustin's the first fight back i think so. i mean i think that makes the most sense right because it, it just doesn't make any sense to me if if Charles Oliveira is the title holder and he loses, he beats Dustin and then Connor comes back and faces for the title and Dustin's coming off a loss and Dustin just beat Connor. Like if you want to completely exclude the broken leg thing, like he did beat him in the second fight. So it's like, it doesn't really make any sense. I, I actually responded with like when my buddy texted me, I go, it would take another level of Dana White not giving a fuck for him to just give him the title like right off the rip, no matter whose title. I think if Dustin Poirier is the title holder, then there's a much better chance. But like, I don't even think like the UFC wants to book Conor versus Charles Oliveira over Conor versus Dustin. I just don't think it makes much sense for them. I was thinking about this the other day, actually. What is, you know, a lot of times in this, like the fight space in MMA, boxing, wrestling, whatever it is, people will often say, oh, X fighter and X fighter is the fight to make. This is the fight to make. We make this fight. This is the this fight we should make. Yeah. What the real, re the real answer to what the fight to make is, is whatever the fans are demanding for, right? Right, right, right. Canelo Alvarez is never going to fight Kamaru Usman because nobody cares. Right. Like just... I'm like that's the nicest way I can put it is that the fans did not demand for that fight to happen. On either it's side. just yeah, it's just Kamara. It's literally just Kamara. So that fight will never happen. The reason Connor fought Floyd 
was because there was a huge demand for it right, and it right. became like the, i think it was the second biggest pay-per-view event of all time the second um, yeah biggest boxing event of all time it was it was massive so that's it's why that insane. fight happened that's why that fight happened what's bigger than that it's gonna be what the uh, thrill in manila it was pacquiao versus uh floyd Oh. The Thrill Manila one's unofficial because I think they counted pay-per-views as like people like going and buying a ticket okay. and watching it at the movies for cheaper. So like I think that's actually reported as a hundred million, but it's not yeah, actually a hundred million. Yeah. But um, anyways, and, yeah. Um, Connor, Connor. So what was I saying? Connor versus whoever has the title is the fight to make, really, because the fans will demand it. Yeah. That's why. Okay. And you know, me, me and you can sit up here with our perspective of like what the sport's actually about and the, right, the hardcore right, right, and like right. rankings and who deserves a title shot. None of that means anything. The fight to make is whatever the fans are demanding for. If there's a demand for a Conor McGregor title shot, there'll be one. And be, that's because Dana White knows how much value there is behind pay-per-view sales when there's a title on the line. Yep. Um, it makes a huge difference. So if Dustin were to hold the title after his next fight and Conor wants to fight him in his comeback, you bet your ass Dana White's making that rematch immediately because that's a huge fight. And also, if Oliveira retains and the fans want to see Conor versus Oliveira for his comeback fight, they'll make that fight. If there's enough demand for it, they'll make it. The only fight to make is the one the fans want to see collectively. So that's right. that's that's how I feel about it. Yeah, I suppose it's fair. I mean, even when he sent it to me, I, I didn't even necessarily think like, oh, Conor's fucking crazy. I was like, I mean, maybe. Like, it, it's initially my thought is like you can't do that but like this is a different kind of i mean connor is a different thing all along like so i oh man i don't know I, I i guess you're right in that perspective that like yes that a title fight with connor in it is what the fans would want the most right. um because if you're a supporter know, of man, connor right like yeah, oh, fuck it's so ahead. tough because it's like there's going to be a, a majority like what do you, i'm curious what you think do cash i think in most cases hardcore mma fans make up the majority of people watching the fights rather no. than casuals you don't think so no maybe on like a particular like this last weekend i think was not a casual friendly weekend but like when there are big fights when there's fights that sell like 264 in july connor yeah, Dustin three okay yeah, 1.8 million pay-per-view buys the largest segment of fans are casual fans without yeah. a doubt okay and so that's, that's why they cater yeah. to them that's why they give connor what he wants because he has the biggest group of fans the biggest group of fans are casual fans and casual fans fucking love connor mcgregor right. and if you love connor mcgregor you want to see him with the title you're back. casual so the so if you want if you're a big connor mcgregor fan you want to see him get the title back so that's why the title shot is the biggest fight technically yeah. although yeah. maybe not pay-per-view wise but it's still like the demand is there. That's that's really what they want. So the fight to make is whatever the fans demand. Do you and think Conor McGregor has a lot of fans. Conor McGregor lightweight title match versus Charles Oliveira does better sales than Dustin versus Conor for? No, no. That's but, what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I know it doesn't. But also, first of all, Dustin might have the title, so that would, like I think they, people they would, would want to see that more. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. I think maybe they would. But there would also be a massive demand for a lightweight title right, fight with Connor right, in it, right. which also he's going to bring up in negotiations and say this is right. what the demand is. So that's also kind of why I think that he put that out there was that if he hasn't heard from the UFC that that's going to be the next fight, then he wants 
his fans to rally behind him. He wants that support to say, hey, this is you should give Connor a title fight next. Because that's that kind of pressure is what makes them do it, makes them realize that it's worth it. Um, and also, like right now, we know that Connor's goal is to get the Dustin win back, but we don't know how that narrative might change in his perspective. We don't know if he's always going to want that. It's definitely safe to say he's always going to want a title shot. He's always going to want a shot at, at gold. So, you know, call, call me crazy, but like maybe a year from now, this feud might not even be a thing because a couple months ago, it really wasn't a thing. So the, these, these things change a lot in MMA. Um, uh, I don't know, man. It's, 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 it's going to, it's going to be a, it's going to be a weird return for Connor because there's so many different ways that it could go. I don't think it, it would be hard for them to like rekindle this hatred at all. Well, no, of course they could easily rekindle it, but I'm just saying like, we've seen the relationship go from extremely toxic to very, very friendly back to extremely toxic very quickly. Like I, I could easily see there being some sort of like change in their relationship, you know, like that, that can definitely happen. We've seen it happen before. Yeah. I think the big deciding factor though, is the fact that Connor broke his leg and killed True. Like he couldn't finish the fight. You know what I mean? True. In his mind, he's winning the fight in Dustin's mind. He was winning the fight. Um, there's literally nothing that Connor could do about it. So I think that that like eats at him and he needs to go back out there. And like, I think there's right. still a deep seated, like dislike for Dustin Poirier. There definitely is the same way there is for Habib, you know, um, although right. that was a totally like kind of different situation, right. but this is why, like I've been saying, like, I think that they have, like, they can kind of like, I think that they might be able to shake hands after their next fight. Oh yeah. I, 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 don't like, that out. I think that, that would probably happen as well. Like, I think really the one crutch holding this up is that Connor couldn't finish the fight. Like he was saying, like he, he couldn't stand, like he, he legit like would not be allowed to keep right, going. Right. And like, that is probably the, the toughest part to do with. Not the, the loss, biggest, yeah. loss in itself. Yeah. But like he was physically unable to get up and keep going. Right. Um, so in that sense, I don't think competitively he'll ever let that go unless he does get his revenge. But right. Um, personally, I don't think that between them two, like I, I could see them mending things up, which honestly, I don't know why this is a talking point because it's not really that important for them to be like friendly or rivalry or whatever, but I, I don't see their relationship changing um, or not changing over the next couple of years. Cause I feel like, I feel like it just all of a sudden became super personal. And it was just like, yeah, like I don't think I recall seeing Conor Ringer that like actually like angry, like furious. Yeah, I mean the whole you gotta pay yeah. for it with his life. It's like that. It was, that was as fired up as I think I've ever, ever I've ever seen Connor. Yeah, I remember like I was in the arena for that, and I was recording it, and I have to stay really still for that. And I remember he said, that. "I was like, holy shit!" Like, yeah, right. he really like wants to go out there and hurt this guy. Like, yeah, it was definitely like an a, you could feel the intensity in in the room. Like, it was it was so different. Man. It was so yeah. different. So I, I just feel like that that's not, I don't want to say sustainable, but it's just like, is it practical that they're just going to go on and like hating each other like that? I don't think yeah. So, I think maybe after this fight, they squash it depending on what happens, but yeah, unless as you like can tell, jumps dude, the my, cage and punches Dustin's wife or something. Who knows? Yeah. My, my thoughts are scrambled right now. I, <laughs> I definitely did not take my medication at the right time today. Hey, well, that's all right. I mean, I haven't taken my medication like two years. I don't think so. I'm going to listen back to this podcast at all. We're two fucking crockpots on this right now. Um, <laughs> let's see. All right. Fuck it then. Let's move from a technicality standpoint and we can have a little fun here. 
let you, let your brain go wild. Okay. Um, okay. We're going to go to the fantasy fight now. I got a fantasy fight for you. I got two. This better be fucking good, dude, because you've been hyping this up. I've got two. Okay. So if you don't okay. like the first one, I also have a stipulation for the first one if you don't like that, but we can, we'll figure it out. I so, can work with stipulations. I've got a technical one and I've got a fun one. So we're going to go with the fun one at first. Okay. Let's Prime have some fun. Diego Sanchez <laughs> versus Prime Justin Gaethje. <laughs> what do we think of that fight? All right. Tell me uh, that's not is... a fucking insanely entertaining, unreal fight. I mean, maybe. I'm talking like <laughs> Dustin. Like, I mean, Diego Sanchez, Gilbert Melendez, fucking yeah, I, punch I, himself I, in the I'm face. A, I'm aware of the the era that we're talking right. about for Diego. Um, How does that? Fight I go? mean, I think that Justin kind of just like starts kicking his leg off, and like I think he. I don't know if Diego deals with that power. Although, if we're talking about prime Diego, like he could take shots. So. He was a title contender at one point. Yeah, he was. I don't know because I think that Justin Gaethje kind of just melts him, but really? at the same at the same time, like, yeah, I don't know because like, what's Diego gonna do to like like really cause Justin Gaethje trouble? I just take like insane punishment and just like if like if that's you know I mean? if that's your best like weapon is that you can take a really good punch is like, Wait, well, like okay, how so are you? We saw with that's what, I, what I'm saying. Yeah, we did see with Michael Chandler, but like it's. It's not going to work out if you're going against Justin Gaethje, who, by the way, we're taking like two guys who are, okay, kind of comparable UFC careers, although Justin was an interim champion. They both had shots at undisputed gold, right? Right. The game has evolved so much from then that it's hard for me to favor anyone from that era with someone who's their equal in ranking now. Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just it, also oh. with a guy like Justin Gaethje, like you got to have some attributes if you want to be that guy. Like who's, who's beat Justin Gaethje? Habib, who who everyone loses to, he lost yeah. to Eddie Alvarez in a crazy back and forth fight, and he lost to Dustin uh, Poirier in similar fashion. Um, and those weren't even prime Gaethje. So, like, I I just don't think that um, Diego Sanchez would be as dangerous in there against Justin Gaethje. All right, I suck. I don't know. I thought that was gonna be. You fun. have a stipulation for that one. The stipulation was going to be that like. They could only stand. There was no grappling because I think, like in reality, I think Justin would just take him down. Just like if he had to, right? Yeah, I was, I was gonna say like, out of him, but like if Diego wants to shoot for a takedown on Justin, like that's not gonna work out. Right. Um, I I do think that he can land some shots, but I don't think like Justin's gonna get put away by whatever Diego Sanchez throws out there. Not saying that Diego doesn't have power, but like just like the way he throws his strikes, it's very vintage UFC, like very early yeah. days where it, was, it looked a lot like human cockfighting. Right. People were just like kind of like winging punches like from anywhere. And it was very easy to read if you were like an experienced boxer. Like we really saw the gap between regular MMA guys versus like guy coming in from a different sport with a lot of experience where yeah. there was like a lot of more specialists back then. And I feel like it would, it would look kind of like that. Whereas Justin Gaethje's boxing ability although not his like main background has rose into a level so high now that I feel like we'd see Sanchez get outclassed. Okay. All right. That's fair. I guess. All right. I'll, I'll hit you with the other one then. Um, so this is going to involve kind of like what we had last week, uh, two different weight classes, but close in weight class, light heavyweight, okay. heavyweight. prime Mirko Krokop versus prime John Jones. Oh my God, dude. Fuck. That's actually a good one. Thank you. Prime John Jones. Prime. I'm talking 
like yeah prime john jones fucking stan and guillotine shogun or fucking uh not shogun uh who did he beat for the title god damn it who am i thinking of he he beat was fucking it? yeah no. but that wasn't the standing guillotine it wasn't no what that was like i think that was the Oda machida no the Oda machida was never light heavyweight was he what am I thinking of? Who did he get a standing guillotine on? I want to say it was Shogun, but I, I might be... Maybe I'm wrong. No, because he just beat Shogun to win the title, and then that was his next defense, I think. He was in the red shorts. Who the fuck did he get this standing guillotine on? We're going to stop the show to figure this yeah, out. Yeah, we're going to stop the show. We're going to fucking figure this out. I know you're right. You're right. It was, it was Leo. It is Leo. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I didn't realize he was okay. that big. That's my fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the okay. day. Okay. Yeah, so, um, yeah, Prime John Jones. I, I, is that his prime? I'm trying to think of like when he really peaked. Uh, uh, I mean, it was right around. I feel like the he's just so naturally the, gifted that it's like he's kind of always at his peak, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I feel know? like the DC fights were kind of more so his prime. Yeah. So then we were talking that versus like prime Mirko Wanderlei Silva, fucking head <laughs> of the anti terrorism Croatian, fucking the, the Joe Rogan clip order. where he yeah. talks about the face yeah, off. That yeah. guy. Picture that face off, dude. Holy fuck. I mean, I'm very curious how that would go. Damn. Okay. So this is interesting because I really like wanted to say John really quickly and get this I did over too. with. That's what but I was thinking at first. Because when I first made this, I was like, it's Sean Jones. And now I was like, oh, I don't know, man. And I'd like the go fact back that it goes it. up to heavyweight is kind of. Yeah. It's going up to heavyweight. Only because John Jones says he wants to fight heavyweight. So I'm like, it's not that crazy. Yeah. Wait. Wait. So. Okay. I guess um, when he's in his prime, he's at light heavyweight, so it's like kind of tricky, but you know what I mean. Uh, sorry, I just got distracted by something. Um, yeah, I think John Jones is like, what? Sorry, just like, <laughs> this is totally off topic, but I have a appointment after this with okay. someone I'm supposed to tutor, and they said they can't get in a library right now because the doors on the outside are locked. So I don't know how I'm going to work later, but... Okay. <laughs> um anyways john jones i feel like john jones would probably just wrestle him right like if it, if the biggest risk is to kickbox with mirko Krokop and john jones is well-rounded everywhere it seems like the obvious choice is to wrestle right and how does mirko Krokop do against wrestlers i'm struggling to remember um I, oh wait 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 wait. Okay. okay so prime mirko Krokop is in pride correct correct do we fight an octagon or the pride Ooh, do we go pride rules oh Oh <gasps> wait! Pride if you go pride rules, this is a way better discussion. Pride rules? Is that pride fucking Scott? Rules. Pride rules. Uh, <laughs> fuck! All right, we can throw that in. Pride rule? Yeah, let's throw some pride rules in there. Why not? I think that heavily okay. favors Krokop, though. That's the that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Is that I also thought that in the clinch, John would do well. But if it's against those ropes, mm. then Mirko Krokop's more familiar with them because John never did that. Right? Huh. Yeah, John Jones by like first round submission, I think is probably you think so, my really? pick. <laughs> I think he does, dude. Oh, I, I really do. Like I, if you gotta remember, dude. Like this prime John Jones was cutting through legends at light heavyweight, like it was nothing. Like yeah. he beat Rashad, Rampage, Lyoto, Shogun, like fucking DC twice, uh, Alexander Gustafson twice. Like these. These are like the best of the best, you know, and it light heavy at the time was like the premier division. So, although now that I say that in pride, when 
uh, Crow Cup was at his best, like heavyweight and light heavyweight were so good over there. So right, like dude, you gotta people forget, dude. I mean, he was fucking. There were some murderers, dude. Like, but, like the thing is, like outside of his high kicks, which I I think John Jones wouldn't have that much trouble covering. I think if they landed flush, it'd be a problem, but I don't know if he would necessarily. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if he landed flush, but like he is probably the best high kicker of all time. He's up there. It's kind of his state. Yeah, I, I think that's actually, yeah, yeah. I think him and Cowboy are probably like the two yeah. best if you want to pick out two guys who are really good at high kicks. But um, yeah. Was it left leg cemetery, right leg hospital? Do I have next? <laughs> no, I think you're right. Yeah, like just absolute murderer. Um, I think if he has a, a shot he's going to have to beat John with a knockout because I don't think that he can outlast John over five rounds either. Um, and also the pride rules won't really come into effect unless John is in a vulnerable position to be need as a ground out opponent or be soccer kicked in the head. You yeah. know, like I feel like if anything, imagine John Jones, a prime John Jones, perhaps juicy John Jones on a pride rule set where you can just mm. kick guys in the head for ground and pound like i think they'd, they'd be terrible i don't know if that would be legal like just with how dangerous he is it would definitely have to happen in japan um <laughs> yeah or, if I I don't, or, what, or what wyoming right yeah like i don't i don't know about that one man that's a that's a good fight but i think it's john pretty early you think so yeah yeah i don't think Krokop wins that fight but i think it's it could get very interesting the problem the, the thing that's like stuck out for me was just like how fast Krokop was that like right. shit could get real very quick. It's not a matter of like like you're probably not gonna rock John Jones. Like I think he's gonna get knocked out. I don't think it's a matter of like dazing him. Like Krokop hits with just so much power and so much fucking. He's just deadly the way he fucking strikes. So I'm like I don't know if there'd be a lot of wobbling each other. I think it would just be like flush knockouts. Like it's a matter of like who makes the mistake first. Right, and I think that John Jones has been very good in his career at not making that mistake and not putting mm-hmm. himself in that much danger. Yeah. Aside from the Alexander Gustafson fight, but like you said, if you're Crow Cop and your best advantage is like having speed for a kick, um, right. you give up that advantage when you fight John Jones because he's a, a light, uh, he's a weight class lighter and he's also particularly fast for that weight class. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that honestly, it's just like Crow Cop, the worst matchup for him could be John Jones coming up to heavyweight, honestly. Yeah, it might be, honestly. But I, I thought that was a pretty interesting matchup. I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was all right. I got two matchups for the first time, so yeah. it's pretty good. All right. We'll just forget about the first one. Uh, moving on now, <laughs> we're going to do uh, the best bet. And my best bet of the weekend right now is Jimmy. This is written in the notes. Jimmy fucking Crude. This dude, I'm, I love Jimmy Crude. Uh, it sucked how he – because he lost his last fight to Alexander Gustafson because he got drop foot. Um, credit to – Anthony Smith. Uh, what did I say? Gustafson? Yeah, Anthony Smith. Yeah. Sorry. Um, because you got the drop foot, which sucks, but it is what it is. Uh, Jimmy Crute is the real fucking deal at light heavyweight. I don't know if he's going to be tearing through these rankings necessarily, but he's definitely one of those guys like a Sean Brady early on in his career. Looks really good. Um, Jamal Hill, also very good. But I'm, Jimmy Crute, man, I think he's a super special striker. Um, I really like the way he fights. He's tough as shit. And I, I just I think this is a... I think I think Jimmy Crew gets this done. I don't want to say exactly how I'm leaning towards TKO, but uh, I, I just think he wins. So he's opening at a um, 
minus 180 favorite, I think, if I remember correctly. Let me look at the, uh, the event real quick. Yeah, I think it's minus 180. So that's my bet um, if you are a gambling man like myself. Uh, let's move on. We have some fan questions. We really only have one, but this is, um, this is kind of something we were talking about before. Dan Hooker is moving to featherweight. How do you think he favors in the featherweight division? Or allegedly moving to featherweight, I should say. How do you think he favors in the featherweight division? Oh, man. I mean, okay, so if we're going to talk about how we think he does at featherweight, mm-hmm. it's important to note that today he, he did the um, – or yesterday, depending on when you're listening to this. He did a test cut, the UFC uh, PI Institute, where he made 146, didn't need a towel, didn't look – too terrible of a cut, no. although you can't see his face. Like it didn't seem like he was incredibly sucked out. No, he wasn't. So it like seems like wobbling or anything either. Like he was fucking right. No, it, it seemed like it was a relatively reasonable cut for him to make. Yeah. Um, I think that for him, the problem is just the matchups. Whereas I can understand him him wanting to go down 145 because he'll have a size advantage. Yeah. Uh, especially with how lanky Huge he is. Like advantage. throwing those, he can throw those knees to the head from a standing position at 155, you know, those guys right. are much shorter at 145. So that tactic specifically is going to be way better. Um, Volkanovski, the champ, that's not a problem because Volkanovski fought. Not someone else from their gym before. So you now they think that's a good matchup for hooker at all. Like I don't foresee him beating Volkanovski, yeah. um, especially with the trajectory that they're both on, you know, it seems like hooker might be on the way down a little bit. Mm. Um, no, actually not I, even. I don't but, know if I want to say that just yet, but but he's he's definitely not imp- impressed me very right. much in his last couple of fights. Like it doesn't seem like he's making incredible improvements. He's definitely um, not Dustin Poirier, Paul Felder, Dan Hooker. As a person. Right. Right, right, right. So I think that he is um he is in a good spot to have a couple good matchups there. I think him versus Max is a great fight. Ortega's a good fight. Um Zombies a good fight oh, there too. There's so many good fucking fights. Good, by the way. So like for so many Hooker, fights. throw mm-hmm. him in the mix because and then like a lot of people are saying like oh he's he's jumping into the 145 Shark Tank like you know good luck with that. He's also leaving the 155 Shark Tank like he's right. he's he's just like leaving one for another like it's not a big deal. Also, um, it seems like Dan Hooker now based off like who he fought at lightweight is going to fight a bunch of top guys at featherweight. He's going to have a pretty sick resume, honestly. And if he yeah. wants to come back to 155 after a small stint in 145, I, I'd be yeah, okay with it. Because, yeah, we'll, he'll be able to do that because we'll also be able to have, like, an idea of where he is, you know, like, where his skill level is at. Yeah, I, I think there's so many exciting fights for him, by the way. Like you just said, I mean, Yair jumps right off the page to me. So does Zombie. Um, even Giga Chagatsi, him versus Edson Barboza. Like, holy shit. There's so many exciting fights for him here at 145. Um, he's definitely going to need some work if he wants to go for that title, if that's the plan. But uh, it, it, like you just said, dude, he's leaving probably the toughest division in the company right now to go to debatably the second toughest, I would argue, probably the third. But, um, oh, man. I, I, I at first when I first saw it, I was like, what? Like he's gonna go to 145. And then like I looked at it and I was like, oh, I don't know, man. This might actually get pretty interesting pretty quick. Um, I, I'd like to move for him personally. I mean, why not? If you can make the weight, you can do it comfortably. Why not? Why not try out a different division? Um, challenge some guys, like you said, a lot of good fights up there, some like exciting that money-making fights at 145 for uh Dan Hooker for sure. And 
if it didn't look like he took a lot of damage against Islam, could we possibly see a 145 turnaround quicker than we think? I don't think that's totally out of the realm of possibility either. Well, the problem with that is he's going to be heading back to um, New Zealand in, I believe, February or either January. He's had a very tough time because the way that they do it over there is they have a lottery system that determines if you can get back into the country with like thousands of people on it. And they only pick a couple hundred. So it's like, if you don't make it, like, yeah, it's, it's rough. So he, he had to go on his eighth bid to get in. um, And he's going to be heading back in like February or January. So I don't know if this is a quick turnaround type of move for him, or if it's just, you know, thinking further down the road, but he's going to be leaving Las Vegas shortly. So I don't think they will be fighting relatively soon, maybe like an April or May return, but, I don't think the first quarter. I mean, I'm still here for it. It's not that far away. True. Not, not too true. far away. Not too far. Away. Not too bad. Um. All right. Well, I think that's pretty much all we got to talk about at this point. We don't have a fight card this weekend. We have one next week, or not next week. Uh, not this upcoming weekend. The following weekend, December fourth, mm-hmm. will be a bantamweight matchup between Rob Font and Jose Aldo. Uh, this is shaping up to be a really good card so far. Uh, I won't read all the names yet because it is not finalized entirely. But um, what I do know about this fight card, I believe this is going to be a pay-per-view-esque start time. I think it's going to be an 8 p.m. for the prelims and a 10 p.m. for the main card, I believe. Um, just going to check the UFC's website. Let me double-check that real quick for you. But I'm 99% sure that that's what I read earlier. Which kind of sucks for the free fights, but it is what it is. It's a great card, so uh, we're not going to complain about it too much. Uh, yeah, looks like 8 p.m. for the prelims and 10 p.m. for the start time on the main card. That's from the UFC Apex Center. Um, yeah, man. So uh, are you want to plug all your stuff, and then we'll wrap up the episode? Yeah, man. Shout out to Ireland's leading MMA outlet, Severe MMA. You can follow them on Instagram, Twitter. We have SevereMMA.com where you can catch up-to-date articles and event coverage. And if you're a fan of the In the Clinch podcast, you can make sure to check out um, the Severe MMA podcast, which is released weekly uh, after every UFC event uh, on all platforms where podcasts are available. Sweet. Um, yeah, just to reiterate that news from the top of the show, we're going to be going solo. I'm not exactly sure when that's going to be. It'll be soon. Uh, as soon as I can figure all this shit out and have the time to, you know, make up the show and then submit it to Apple and all that bullshit. But yeah, uh, if you guys have any names that you want to submit, please do. Uh, I'll probably put a Twitter poll out or something like that. Um, and I think that's it. We'll be back next week. Most likely we'll give you something if not a full episode. And then the following week, we have Rob Font versus Jose Aldo Jr. to talk about. So plenty of exciting stuff coming up. All right, that'll do it for me. That'll do it for me as well. Peace. Peace.